0: Welcome back to The Curious Clinicians, a medical podcast that asks why. I'm Hannah Abrams, and I'm joined by my co-hosts Avi Cooper and Tony Brew. Hey, guys.
1: Hey, Hannah. Good evening. How are you both doing? I'm good.
0: I'm fantastic.
1: There's music in the air. Music in the air.
0: Yeah. This one's not going to fall on deaf ears. We are going to be discussing (laughs) a topic (laughs) that has been in the news lately the health of composer Ludwig von Beethoven. So you may recall episode 54, A Lincoln Theory, in which we discussed an original theory about Abraham Lincoln's health and whether he might have had Louis syndrome. In this episode, we're going to investigate what may have caused Beethoven's infamous deafness, along with a myriad of other chronic ailments that he also suffered from. We'll examine his autopsy, one that he himself requested, and also review some recent genetic testing that's made headlines. It's a lot to unpack. Abi, uh, where should we start?
1: There really is a lot to this topic. There's lots of layers, as you said. Um, Beethoven is—he's just—he was just a Beethoven is just such a fascinating historical figure, a titan of classical music, easily a top three composer of all time. Some consider him to be the greatest in terms of like the scope and the power of his compositions. I think his fame is also enhanced by his, you know, this enigmatic persona that he had, which created sort of a certain mystique about him. But his story is, it's sort of a medical one too, because he famously began to lose his hearing fairly early in his career and wrote many of the pieces that he's best known for either partially or towards the end of his life, completely deaf. And he had an a number of other physical symptoms throughout his life that we'll get into that may or may not tie into some potential unifying diagnoses that would explain this sort of great – one of the great mysteries in history of music is, you know, why Beethoven lost his hearing.
2: So, so I'm a little bit nervous asking for more background about Beethoven and who he was as a person and as a composer, because apparently you have a huge crush on him and we may go on for the next three hours. But I think some context for the non-connoisseur might be valuable here. So, So what can you tell us about him?
1: I'm not a musicologist uh, or a music historian, but we can talk about the highlights that he was born in Bonn, Germany in 1770, and he was recognized to have considerable musical talent as a child. And he came from a family of musicians. Um, his father, Johann, seems to have been a pretty intense guy. And he tried to promote Beethoven sort of as a child prodigy, like sort of in the fashion of Mozart. And you know, he began to carve a career as a composer in Vienna in his early 20s. He wrote music with sort of a mozart style, but, you know, over time he found his, his own unique voice um, as a composer and his career is considered to have three main periods, a con- sort of a first conventional period. He wrote music that sounded like other popular classical music at the time, like Mozart and Haydn, and this middle period, which is called Beethoven's Heroic Period, where he, he wrote music on sort of grand scales. And then his late period, his final one, which is really sort of where he wrote some of the most complex, innovative, very personal music late in his career. So that's sort of Beethoven in a very, very, very small nutshell. That wasn't too bad.
0: Yeah, that's a heck of an arc from conventional to heroic to sort of like personal and complex. You gotta yeah. start somewhere, um, right? yeah.
2: If I could have a heroic era as a clinician, that would be pretty sweet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We've all got curious eras. <laughs> yeah. Um, So, this is all very cool. The musicology piece, very interesting. Can we come back to the hearing loss part?
1: I mean, you know, so my secret plan is to turn this into a musicology podcast. Um, So, I spilled the beans on that tonight. But back to Beethoven. So, beginning in his late 20s, he began to slowly but steadily lose his hearing. Um, He, at the same time, developed very significant tinnitus which made it increasingly hard for him to perform as a pianist in concerts and um, which is a big source of his income at the time and to conduct his own music. And there's this like really poignant account from his final soloist performance in 1814, where he really struggled to perform apparently. And I guess he also happened to be playing an out of tune piano and didn't realize it cause he couldn't hear. And um, it was just, I guess just very, very hard for everyone. And over time he became more and more isolated and depressed he even contemplated suicide at one point, but he found a way to persevere and continue to compose. And, you know, even though he really couldn't hear the music he was writing other than what he was hearing in his head, um, he did apparently uh, retain the ability to hear very loud or very low sounds, but otherwise really was was totally deaf. Um And he tried some adaptive aids like ear trumpets. He even had a special piano made with extra strings and a resonator to increase the volume of the sound it produced. But none of these really worked. And, you know, like I said, for the most part, he wrote some of the most important classical music ever written in total silence. So I
2: I don't know what the availability was in the sort of early 19th century for hearing loss evaluations. The audiology. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad it was the match really hard back then? But did he actually undergo a formal assessment, or was it one of those things where it was, at the time, he kind of just accepted it and had to adapt?
1: You know, he tried really, really hard to find solutions to this. And he consulted with like lots of the top physicians in Vienna, which was itself, you know, really sort of a center of medicine in the medical world then in Europe, um, to try to find a solution. And one was a physician named Johann Frank who tried stuffing cotton balls soaked in almond oil into his ears. But Be- Beethoven wrote in a letter that Frank's treatment had like no effect, and his de- deafness just continued to progress. Um, another one was Gerhard von Wering, who was a surgeon and director of the Viennese Health Institute, sort of a very eminent physician at the time. He prescribed bathing in water from the Danube River and then drinking an herbal tonic. These didn't work, uh, and uh, apparently von Wering sort of desperately tried tight application of bark from the toxic miserium plant to Beethoven's arms using these belts that he would like strap around to like really sort of cinch down this like very irritating and toxic leaf and bark. This led to debilitating hypersensitivity reactions, uh, painful blistering, which actually precluded Beethoven from playing or composing for days at a time after each application. So that wasn't, it wasn't going well for Beethoven. Um, He tried living in the country to rest his ears from like the bustle of city life um, and sort of bring the decibels down. but. He also apparently tried leeches. He may have tried galvanic therapy involving sort of focused electric shock shocks to different parts of his body. It's also sort of hard to know exactly what he tried since we don't have a medical record to reference, right? They didn't have like Epic back then. But he had correspondence and, you know, he, he referenced, um, and like people wrote down their conversations with him because he was so famous. Um, so like, you know, we sort of get little snippets of what he was trying at the time. He tried a lot, apparently. He really did. And gosh, I mean, some of it just sounds horrible.
0: Yeah, I mean it seems like there was just a lot going on with his overall health. It sounds like he had a couple of different sort of like chronic multi-system pieces here. What other past medical history did Beethoven?
1: What have? was his review of symptoms? What, what was Beethoven's review of systems, yeah, right?
0: Can we get like a little bit more of a chart dive?
1: Yeah. yeah. So 12-point review systems was um, so you know, Beethoven, he actually he noted did note a number of other symptoms throughout his life which again, we're privy to largely because he wrote about them in his correspondence and his letters and and, and also in his conversations. So in 1823, he had a red and painful eye that lasted for the better part of a year. And it's thought that that may have represented an inflammatory eye process, such as uveitis or keratitis, just given sort of how long it lasted and the pain associated. Um, He had, you know, chronic abdominal pain, diarrhea. He had you know, arthralgias and migratory joint pains. And some have wondered whether he had inflammatory bowel disease because of that. He also seems to have had what we would now consider alcohol use disorder and drank fairly heavily throughout his life. His final illness in 1827 uh, was really characterized by this global decline with anasarca, renal failure, peritonitis, confusion, which was all consistent with decompensated cirrhosis. Um, apparently, he had a, a paracentesis done toward the end of his life that drained a whopping 22 liters of acidic fluid from this poor man's abdomen. It's like 50. 50- what was
0: the sag? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they repleted albumin back in that day. I don't think they did. Oh, no.
1: <laughs> it's great. It's wild. You uh, know, and- 22 liters. Jeez. Yeah. And that's like, it's 50 pounds. It's 50 pounds of fluid. And then, so he had an autopsy by Johann Wagner and Carl Rokotansky that showed decompensated cirrhosis. They noted his liver was nodular and shrunken and, and he had splenomegaly- And then he had, to your point, Tony, about the SAG, he had nine liters of what appeared to be infected acidic fluid in his abdomen. And they found chronic pancreatitis as well, um, what they called like sort of a firm abnormal pancreas. So really sort of a rough go at the end of his life related to um, liver failure.
2: How old was he at that time? Do you recall?
1: He was 56.
2: Okay. So pretty young guy. Yeah. I have reviewed just a handful of autopsy reports, and it's not typical that I immediately go to what did the ears show? But <laughs> mm-hmm. I think for the purposes of this episode I am quite curious what did the ears show uh on this autopsy by uh, Wagner and
1: Rokotansky. You know, Beethoven actually requested the autopsy to potentially solve the mystery as to why he lost his hearing post, you know, he wanted he's like maybe the world can find out the answer even if he wouldn't know. Um and so in their report Wagner and Rokotansky noted first that his skull was very dense and thick. Um and they saw that the auditory nerves were thin and atrophied. The left was more atrophied than the right. And perhaps most dramatically, they, they saw that the auditory arteries were hard and sclerotic. Um, the autopsy sort of their notes or report reads that his auditory arteries were thickened and cartilaginous as though stretched over a raven's quill. So very sort of vivid um, description of these very, you know, sort of very hard sort of sclerotic arteries.
0: I love that pathologists throughout time have sort of been like so thoughtful. Yeah, I know. Sort of such a
1: beautiful Baroque description. Yeah.
2: You don't see stretched over Raven's Quill in autopsy reports nowadays.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So if I'm like summing this all up here, kind of making our little problem representation, our one liner, this is a 56 year old world famous composer who has chronic hearing loss of unclear ideology, alcohol use disorder. Appearing to be complicated by decompensated cirrhosis, chronic bowel and ocular symptoms (NOS), and end-stage renal disease, with an acute presentation of bacterial peritonitis. Now with autopsy confirmed cirrhosis, atrophied auditory nerves, and sclerotic auditory arteries. That's not. I gotta say this one doesn't like. (laughs) Yeah, this one doesn't like ring a bell for me. (laughs) No pun intended. (laughs)
1: Yeah, right. Like, is that, how can we try to how can we tie this all together? And I think that's what's that's what that's what a lot of people have tried to do over the years. There's just been a lot of diagnostic theories put forth, focusing on trying to explain his deafness, whether there was a systemic process going on. Some have wondered very reasonably whether he had syphilis, um, which could cause sort of a vascular sclerosis that was seen in his ears on autopsy. Others have queried Paget's disease because of that thickened skull they saw. Others have thought about sarcoidosis, lupus, chronic lead poisoning based on analysis of a, what was uh, originally thought to be a lock of Beethoven's hair. Um, but as we'll see, that explanation may have been disproved. You know, most have seen his cirrhosis as a separate problem related to chronic alcohol dependence. But as we'll see, there's actually been some interesting updates to that as well just in the last few months.
2: But again, honing in on the deafness just as a singular problem, is there any consensus as to what explains that? symptom or finding?
1: Yeah, To be honest, I don't think there is. I don't think there's a, cons- a clear consensus. You know, I'm not a historian, but you know, reading this literature, everyone seems to have their own pet theory when it gets sort of written up and, and, and published. And to add fuel to that fire, several years ago, myself and two colleagues from residency proposed a unifying theory that could potentially explain a lot of Beethoven's symptoms, including his deafness. Um, and that was Kogan syndrome. This came up after Dr. Joe Tremaglio, uh, who was this um, amazing chief resident. I don't know Tony if you knew Joe. I remember. Yep, I remember Joe. You know, he was just he gave a morning report on Beethoven's health, and it was just this amazing morning report, like sort of a canonically good morning report. And Joe, myself, and another third-year resident, Dr. Sunil Nair, who is himself a brilliant historically minded physician, got to talking about some diagnostic possibilities, and we wondered about Kogan syndrome, which is this fairly rare but well-described medium vessel vasculitis that can cause deafness and actually many of the other symptoms that lined up with what Beethoven experienced.
0: That sounds like a great morning report. Can you tell us a little bit more about Kogan syndrome and how it was first described?
1: Yeah, it was described by an ophthalmologist named David Kogan in a case series uh, published in what's now JAMA Ophthalmology in 1945. And he reported a, uh, on four patients who had inflammatory eye disease, mostly from keratitis. They also had tinnitus and profound deafness. And it was subsequently found to be caused by a medium vessel vasculitis that can actually that, that, that can affect lots of different parts of the body. Um, but classically, as Kogan described it, it causes deafness and inflammatory eye disease, both of which Beethoven had or seemed to have had. Again, recalling that red and painful eye that he had that lasted for about a year. And it can also associate with things like inflammatory bowel disease, which, we, as we talked about, it's been theories that Beethoven may have had to explain some of his chronic gastrointestinal symptoms and his migratory arthralgias um, that he seemed to have suffered from.
2: Okay, but we have an autopsy. so We have tissue, there, right? Tissue is the issue. Yes. So is, are there specific autopsy findings of Kogan syndrome? And, and, and if so, does Beethoven's autopsy kind of line up?
1: Yeah, you know, potentially, yes. So recall that you know, Wagner noted that his Beethoven's auditory arteries were thickened and cartilaginous as so though stretched over a raven's quill, in his words. In Kogan syndrome, deafness develops from fibrotic hypertrophy of the auditory arteries, which leads to sensorineural hearing loss. And unfortunately, we don't have access to any sort of histology from Beethoven, but this could be consistent with what you'd expect for Kogan syndrome. And again, there are certainly other forms of fo- focal vasculopathy that could have done this particularly syphilis, which can cause obliterative arteritis. But advanced syphilis can cause protein systemic symptoms and vasculopathy. You know, it's one of those great mimickers. It can also lead to inflammatory eye disease and sensoroneural hearing loss. It would make sense that syphilis and Kogan syndrome would sort of be on a differential diagnosis list together for his presentation. And if you look back at David Kogan's original 1945 description of the syndrome that now bears his name, he actually focused on ruling out syphilis in those cases. He was like actively ruling it out um, when he was sort of Sort of saying this is something new.
0: And so you guys published this in the American Journal of Medicine, right? I mean, do you think that that explains it? Do you feel like that is the most likely diagnosis?
1: So, yeah, we published it back in 2016. Um... We titled it Diagnosing Beethoven a, t- a New Take on an Old Patient. And actually, as we were preparing the manuscript, we actually came across a French paper from a few years before that actually mentioned it as a possibility for his deafness. And so, but it, it seems like maybe we were the first to link it explicitly with his other systemic symptoms and his autopsy. But I think taking everything together, it is possible he had, you know, isolated and separate causes for his deafness and his other symptoms and medical issues. But if we were to seek parsimony, invoke a unifying diagnosis. I think Kogan syndrome versus syphilis would seem like the most likely possibilities, but ultimately we'll, we'll never know. And I think that makes Beethoven like all the more compelling as a historical person.
2: There was something recently published about Beethoven's health. I don't, I feel like I heard, I saw it in the lay press, but is there is has there been sort of updates and sort of new news? Was it Kogan's? Was it something else? Like, well, what's, what's, what's new and out there?
1: Yeah, it's like how do we have new data about this, right? But we yeah, do. Please fill us Yeah, you're so right.
2: 2016,
1: obviously. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so there was this fascinating article published just in April 2023 in Current Biology, which is an open access journal from Cell, and it really did make the rounds in the news. Um, the authors analyzed eight locks of hair attributed to Beethoven, and this is sort of cool to learn about sort of the um, sort of the provenance of each each of these uh, locks of hair that they each have a name. Um, things like the Stumpflock and the Bermanlock and the Helm Helm Thayerlock. And these are all, these names are sort of based on sort of who originally was intended to possess them or did possess them for an extended period of time. And they're considered historical artifacts of really significant importance. But ironically enough, this group found that only five of the locks were authentic, um, i.e. like having come from the same male of European ancestry thought to be Beethoven. And actually of the inauthentic ones, the Hiller lock was actually the source of the um chronically lead poison theory because it has that lock has elevated lead levels. But apparently that sample originated from a woman of mixed North African and Middle Eastern ancestry. So that doesn't disprove the lead theory, but it certainly means we don't really have a reason to th- to think that he was lead poisoned anymore.
0: I'm sorry. Did he bequeath locks of his hair <laughs> at time of death in addition to the autopsy?
1: I think apparently to a bunch of different uh, people uh, I, I think. <laughs> I don't know if it was anti-mortem or post-mortem. I don't know. <laughs> well,
2: I, I really need to update my will uh, to make clear that the slowly diminishing number of locks I have available <laughs> are bequeathed to the appropriate persons. Yeah, like you by a stable I mean, you can't let bag. that
0: get into the wrong hands. Wow. No, God. it. Um, no. Okay, so what did they find in the ones that they could identify? In the locks that they could <laughs> identify, were from Beethoven or the Helm Fairlock? Yeah, what did that Helm Fairlock yeah, say? The
1: Stumpflock. Yeah, well, so, I mean, they did genetic analysis and did DNA analysis on these five authentic locks to sequence his genome. And they found some interesting things. So they found that he seems to have had a genetic predisposition to liver disease with homozygosity for a gene variant associated with increased risk for liver disease, specifically PNPLA3. They also found that he was compound heterozygous for um, HFE gene mutations, which can cause hemochromatosis. If you're reading the article, you know, the, the authors noted that because of the low penetrance of the of of you know of HFE we can't know if he was clinically iron overloaded but the results suggest that he was at increased risk for liver disease especially in combination with his alcohol use they also found he was chronically infected with hepatitis B which probably further predisposed him to cirrhosis and ultimately liver failure Finally, they found something a little bit scandalous that sort of snooping on the Beethoven family line, they found that based on Y chromosome analysis, there was an extra pair paternity event somewhere in his paternal line between somewhere between 1572 and 1770, meaning there was a source of Y chromosomes outside of Beethoven's lineage i.e. there was very likely an affair somewhere along the way um, in that time span. And as you'll recall, Beethoven was born in 1770. So anywhere from his own parentage back to somewhere to 1572.
2: Yeah, so they found a lot. They found sort of potentially scandalous stuff. I'll say I'm kind of intrigued by the potential of hemochromatosis because he had this arthralgia arthritis. Which I mean, a person who's aggressively playing the piano—I I don't know what happens to their hands—but there's likely alternate explanations. But there's kind of cool little crumbs that are offered by the stump hair, uh, uh, if we—well, wh- whichever hair it was. um So that's kind of interesting. But I don't and. Ha- ha- like, how are you putting this together with the theory that you guys proposed uh, back in 2016? And like, how are you thinking about it in general?
1: You know, I, I think my, my sort of overall thought, I think, is it's, this is such like a rare opportunity to um, get this kind of, you know, information on historical figure. You know, and it's interesting, too, that, you know, I think studies like this do raise interesting questions about like the ethics of postmortem genetic analysis. Beethoven lived a long time ago. And the authors, I think, sort of sensed that maybe there was some sort of there is sort of an ethical uh, gray zone here, and they actually cited his requesting an autopsy um, that sort to affirm that he would sort of generally support efforts to identify the source of his health issues, and he couldn't imagine genetic analysis of his hair, you know, hundreds of years later. But you know, that was sort of their that was their, um, I think, sort of their own justification to do the study ethically. You know, I personally wouldn't say it's like a clear cut, yes, it's okay, or no, it's not okay. Um, but certainly very interesting. And I, I think, you know, again, for me, I think the differential of his, of his hearing loss for his, my two leading thoughts would still be uh, syphilis versus Kogan syndrome. But, you know, I think part of what I really sort of find so fascinating about Beethoven is that it's going to remain a mystery probably forever. And I'm sure there's gonna be lots of other theories that come up along the way. So Avi, I'm curious, did Beethoven have any descendants? I don't believe so. I don't think that any okay. clearly define um, descendants from him.
2: You know, and I, and I partly ask because if Kogan's is a heritable disease, it's so uh, rare that I suspect even if there was some um, genetic predisposition, you wouldn't associate in descendants, but I'm, I was just curious.
1: Yeah, I don't think it has like Mendelian inheritance. I think it's more yeah. sort of just autoimmune.
2: And I also don't know what the role is of descendants in being able to provide consent for additional testing. On a hair, my guess is they don't have a, a major role.
1: But we learned a lot, right? I mean, we really—I mean, they, that it's—you yeah. you, can see why it made the rounds in the news. There was a tremendous amount, sort of, gained from these um, information, gained from these hair locks.
0: Wow, what a story! Avi, do you have any final thoughts to share with us?
1: Um, no, I mean, I guess that um, you know, and I was, um, I was, uh, you know, quoted in a couple stories when this was making the rounds, just because I'd written on Beethoven previously and. You know the the point that I made, and I'll make it here, is that like I think it's actually maybe better that we don't know, and I think the mystery of this is makes Beethoven all the more compelling, and that I think if we if we just knew the answer and no one wondered or had to wonder, it wouldn't be nearly as interesting, even though he himself wanted the answer discovered.
2: So you're that guy who likes the final episode of The Sopranos, and the yes, oh god, you're that guy. Yes, I am that guy. (laughs) Although David Chase, I think, told us the answer, so.
0: (laughs) Well, that wraps up another episode of The Curious Clinicians. We'll be back in two weeks. Thanks, as always, for joining us. As a reminder, you can join our mailing list at CuriousClinicians.com to stay up to date on episode releases and have detailed notes delivered directly to your inbox. Physicians and other healthcare professionals can earn CME and MOC credits from VCU Health just for listening to this episode. So for more information, visit ce.vcuhealth.org forward slash Curious Clinicians. And as always, the information contained in this episode is for educational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute medical advice, particularly if you're Beethoven. Until next time, we've been the Curious Clinicians.